0: Once again, my code for ten percent off is Ryan Ten. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on Enactor Despairs, we have the incredible Joanna Vanderham. She's one of the best talents I've seen and she's doing incredible work. You know her from Warrior, The Runaway, and so many other amazing projects. She's got such an amazing energy and actually went to drama school, booked work, had to leave, and came back. And she does a lot of theater. She's so wonderful. I'm so grateful to have her on. There was a little bit connectivity issues with our Wi-Fi because she was in another country, so I apologize about the connectivity issues, but I promise you it does not take away from the podcast. Here it is, guys. Joanna Vanderham, welcome to An actor despairs. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I am great. Thank you for having me. How are you?
0: It's such a pleasure. I'm better now that you're here, Uh, you know. (laughs) Obviously, an incredible actress, and and uh, I, I we were just speaking off there because we got a lot of mutual friends. Because you did Warrior, and uh, you're so incredible in that show, and you've been working for a long time, and, and getting to go back through some of your other pieces, and and also I love that you do theater. You know, I mean that's so imperative to me, and and sometimes I think in American Hollywood it gets lost on people, you know, because it doesn't always pay. And I love that, you know, you're doing it. You've done, I mean, Allo <laughs> and, and Richard III. So, I mean, and, and I hope more to come.
1: <laughs> yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. It's funny. If, I feel like if I've learned anything, it's like, it's just don't follow the money. Yeah. Because I know. Have the most kind of creative constructive experiences when, that doesn't, when the money isn't even a factor.
0: Yeah. Isn't that so true? You know, and I'm, I think it also ends up with a life that's not fulfilled because you're doing things for a paycheck and not because of like a creative chemistry.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the thing is like, I feel like in the UK, I'm really lucky because um, the, the drama school that I went to, the kind of the training was, was theater training. So it, it's always kind of felt like it was in my blood if anything doing television was was a, a bit of a reach for me like I never thought yeah. I would act on television ever. well
0: if it's cool with you let's start from the very beginning where did you grow up
1: so I grew up in a tiny village in Scotland called schoon okay. which is felt like scone and um isn't that a Swedish word um, do you know, I don't know. I, I know think I have a IKEA that. piece named a scone. <laughs> oh my god, no way! Okay, what is it? Is it like a table? I don't even know. I
0: just know I I definitely set one of those up before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, if so anyone listening knows yeah. what it is, let um, us No, it's it's um it's actually one of the last words. I think it's the last word in the play Macbeth, and it's where all the kings and queens used to be oh. crowned in Britain. So we have Scoon Palace, and it's sort of like the the claim to fame and there's like peacocks running around but it was a very idyllic childhood like you know the the farmer's fields backed onto my house and so like we would always go climbing on hay bales me and my brother and like there are these infamous bugs in scotland called midges i don't know if you've heard of them they're like oh tell me okay so like they sort of swarm but because they're tiny they're like not that gross they're just kind of annoying And, um, they will be like in big clouds and it's a sort of rite of passage. If you grow up in the countryside in Scotland that you just like get used to them. And so like, we would have like competitions, like running through clouds of midges. Um, and so now I'm like totally immune. Whereas if people come to Scotland, they're like being, being bitten and like covered in this, like in these bites, but I don't feel it.
0: And, and tell me, were your parents artists? Like how did this whole thing happen for you?
1: No, my mom is a doctor. She's she's an incredibly intelligent woman, Um, and not that artists aren't, but like she she's very kind of academic. And um, my dad is in business, which I suppose has its creative sides. But I don't know. I really don't know where it came from. Like, I I feel like they took me to plays when I was when I as soon as I was kind of like old enough. Yeah. And so it was always in the like, in the conversation. Oh, do you know what? I was thinking about this the other day, actually. So I had I had these two best friends when I was in primary school. So I was probably, like, six or seven. And they couldn't come around to my house to play because they were going to drama club. And so I was like, well, I want to go to drama club. But it was mainly just so that I could, like, be with my friends. And then I got there, and it was just this, like, incredible... You know, we were just playing, and it was yeah. amazing. And I was cast as um, there's this famous kind of Scottish. Um, I think it's a poem, or maybe it's a play. It's called Tam O' Shanter, and it's about this guy who I don't know why it's not really appropriate for children, but he gets really drunk, and he has to make his way home on his horse, and he ends up being chased by witches. Oops. And I was cast.
0: One like, second, my light just uh, will recut. <laughs> This is what happens when you get a ring light. <laughs> They're not always the most sturdy. Sorry about that.
1: It's okay. It's
0: the magic of editing. All
1: right, go on. So I was cast as, like, the lead witch Yeah. Um, in Tam Shanter, And her name is Nellie. And so her job is to, like, chase him over the, the river. And, and she catches onto his horse's tail. And she pulls his horse's tail off. And he gets away. So it was, like, this kind of scary magical like I was I was honestly six or seven when I was doing this and I I just got the bug I was just like that this is it this is what I want to do
0: and you knew it right then and there. Was that cathartic connection of just like this is it
1: yeah I think so and then I was lucky enough that my parents kind of indulged me you know my mom would would say things like um you know you you've got to get good grades and you've got to kind of have something else not necessarily to fall back on but like so that you can prove that this is, like, a choice and not just something that you've, like, fallen into, if that yeah, makes sense. Totally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when it came to, like, choosing choosing a career, I feel like my, my family kind of just always knew that this is what I was going to do.
0: And were you aware of the, like, vast UK history of theatre? Like, is that something, you know, you get taught at a young age and you're reading Shakespeare and things like that, or...? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, we were taught um, in Scotland, we we did Robert Burns poems. So he's like a kind of famous Scottish poet. And um, every year we'd have to get up and recite our poem and everyone in the class had to do it. And so I think that gave me a sense of like understanding language because it's, it's archaic. Like it's not, it's, it's sort of very much in like Scots dialect. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then we went, you know, being taught Shakespeare in school is like very, very standard, um, and so I did just have, like, a natural understanding of of his text, and that's not to say that I don't, like, mine it more when I'm in house you know, I, it, it wasn't super alien to me, which was, which was um, I think, meant that when I was asked to audition for those kind of roles, it was just exciting, it wasn't really daunting.
0: And I, I've always been curious, do they teach you iambic at a young age, or do you not get into that till, like, you go to dramas? School or classes proper?
1: Yeah, I mean, we were taught because you were taught it almost more from like an English literary point of view. So you're analyzing how many syllables are in the line because that gives you a sense of of whether. So basically, like if it's eleven or nine syllables, rather than yeah, was that like the effeminate un-ending? ending? Yeah, yeah, and it sort of yeah. suggests how you're supposed to feel about it. So if it's like ten syllables. And lots of lines that all have ten syllables in a row. It's very calm. It's very reassuring. The audience feels like they know what's coming next. Whereas if you have lines that are shorter or longer, it it's it's harder for them to kind of feel comfortable, feel at ease. And so you're using it as a tool. Um, and so yeah, that was all analyzed like as part of like our English literary course.
0: That's so beautiful. And I'm I'm curious, you know, because. Now, obviously, we live in such a content-saturated
1: time. What were you watching as a kid? Um, okay, so this is, like, really weird. But, like, I remember I was watching, like, Frasier. And- oh, so it was, like, American classics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had, like, Paramount. Like, is that still a network?
0: It, it actually is now. Yeah, they took over CBS. It's called Paramount TV.
1: And I, yeah, but it's I a new like,
0: network. It didn't. It used that's to be called. New. Well, maybe yeah. it was
1: a British network or something. I feel like it was on a channel called Paramount, and I would watch that. And I would watch like Tia and Tamara, and Moesha, and um, uh, my wife and kids. Like I would watch like American shows, and yeah, I didn't really get like British stuff. Like people nowadays, are bit, like as in, like I didn't really get the the humor of it. Yeah. Um, so people will be like, if you watch Only Fools and Horses, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, who are you?
0: <laughs> That's amazing. And I'm curious then, you know, as your parents, in like, encouraged you, there in the UK, there tend to be a lot of really great youth theater troops. Is that something you sought out?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I did Scottish youth theater twice. And, and how actually- old are
0: we talking, just for the listeners?
1: I would have been 14 the first year and then 15 the next year and that's like a two-week immersive you go and you live in Glasgow and every day you get up and you go to like classes and then you stay in I think we stayed in the halls of residence like so the the university students would move out during summer and we would get their rooms Um, and my mom was like you just come back with this like broad Glaswegian accent like within a couple of hours I would just like be mimicking the Glaswegian accent and and um, so she was just like am I going to really send you back again for another year but I loved it I thought it was great and then when I was 16 I did National Youth Theatre and that was in London and yeah. we got to go and um, work with practitioners in the Lobin studio which is all based on kind of like your your principles of movement and I've, I've kind of forgotten it but um, it's it was like a ha, ha, like the different types of movement and how they all can kind of interconnect, and that was that was really fun. Really, That's really
0: fun. So beautiful. And well, how old were you when you moved to London to do the National Theatre?
1: So um, the the National Theatre, I was
0: U sixteen. Theater, sorry, yeah, because I know the National Theatres, and yeah, yeah,
1: and that was that was um, that was only another two week course. Okay. So I was still living at home. It was just like a, a two-week thing. And then...
0: Wait, you um, were commuting to London?
1: No, no, no. I stayed for oh, two weeks. Okay. I stayed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How was um, that
0: experience, you know? Or I did mean, you it, get to go there often for, you know, travel or...
1: No, like not really. I mean, um, no, I hadn't really been to London much. But it's in Greenwich, which is like a, a suburb of of London that is um very quiet it's right by the river it's very beautiful it's not like you're in like Soho or the West End like right it was very much like you were sort of sent off to be at this theater at school and it was quite like um focused but I do I also you know it was it was really naughty because we, we would just like go to bars in the E Yeah, that's of course. That's what you have to do. And like they would never ask us for ID. <laughs> so IT. it's like all these 16 year olds like sneaking <laughs> <laughs> in. I mean the, the legal drinking age here is 18, so like it was still really cheeky. But um yeah I mean we 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 sort of lived it up in the in the day and in the night.
0: So those must have been some of the best memories of, of your early theater experiences.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was like the beginning of feeling like I'm gonna have a community, I'm gonna have like a family with this yeah. kind of, these kind of people. Like one of the people that I met um, there is still my best friend. We then ended up going to the same drama school together and um, I was best, like a bridesmaid at her wedding. Like, wow. you know, real real kind of connections were formed. Also, Ed Sheeran was there at the same time and he wrote a song about me. No, did you guys date? No, we didn't date. We didn't oh, okay. Date. <laughs> he, I mean he's I didn't, didn't know what from... Taylor Swift in the news. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but Joanna Vanderham's red version is like <laughs> um <laughs> no, it uh he's great songs about everything. Oh, so it man. wasn't like super special, but I mean he so he he would like bring his guitar and um he would do the percussion on the like the body of the guitar at the same time and he would just like make up songs about you as you walk to class. So, oh, yeah, and then I went and watched him busking and like went and watched him like playing to like one person in a pub. And like right at, right at the beginning of his career, we uh, we were there supporting. Oh,
0: man. Rock and roll. That's so cool. and It's always fun to see your friends, you know, that you always believe in finally hit it. You know what I mean? It just gives you that. It's like a double edged sword. It's like, oh, why not me? But it's also like, oh, that could be me. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I think, like, because he has been so successful as a musician, um, and I can honestly say from the age of, like, 15, 16, I met him, like, he's just naturally very, very gifted. Like, he was just always a, t- a, a talent. So yeah. you're you're just like, yes, like, I'm so pleased that everyone has, like, seen this and recognised this. And I we're, we're not still in touch. So, like, I, I hope that he is, like, happy with it because – you know, sometimes you feel like you're kind of striving for something and not just necessarily like living in the successes of the moment. And yeah. that's something I really had to kind of like learn myself. So I don't know.
0: Well well tell me, when you when you go to the National Youth Theater and living up north, do you have an awareness of the Radas, the Lambdas, the old Vicks, you know, that all those drama schools? Like were those even on your mind?
1: I mean, not really. I was a little bit naive. Um, and also it was like, oh God, I'm going to like show my age now. Maybe this was just me, but like, I didn't really. Hey, God, go on. The you, internet.
0: you you, you, <laughs> like you, cut, you cut off there. Was, what'd you say? I'm
1: oh, sorry. Like we didn't, I didn't really like look it up online. Okay. Whereas like now... And like it wasn't like they had a Facebook page or an right, opera, right. You know or, what I mean?
0: Or a YouTube like, video where you can see the studio. Yeah,
1: exactly. So like you know, my applications were done on paper. It was like I would print them and and like fill them in with my hand and send them off. Like this makes me sound so old, but like it just no, You it look was beautiful.
0: Like, you look you look twenty one hmm. to me. <laughs> you know, I, in fact, if you're at a bar, I would ID you just to be sure. Thank you. Yeah. yeah um, the yeah. 16 year old me didn't. <laughs>
1: um, it's all about how you walk in, right? Yeah, like, yeah it's true.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: So, yeah, so, so I, I was a little bit naive and, you know, I eventually started thinking about where I wanted to go and. I applied to, as you say, those those big London...
0: Knowing you wanted to... Sorry to interrupt. Knowing you wanted to go to theater school, right? Or did you not know?
1: Oh, I did. I definitely knew. I think partly because I saw it as, like, a means of getting an agent. I was like, I don't know how else to kind of get into the the industry otherwise. Yeah. And all... Like, the, the high school that I went to was, like you know, you go to university, like that's the next step. So for me, it was like, well, drama school is the university of like, for me, it's my, that's my subject. So I'm going to go and do that. Um, and when everyone else was applying to like Edinburgh university or Oxford or whatever, I was filling in forms for RADA and Lambda. And, and you know, I think it was, I think it was Guildhall where they had a, they had an online one. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't actually send an application because I wasn't old enough. Like, there, you had to be 18 when you started. Wow. So I was, like, kind of working with that because I was, I was 17 when I left high school.
0: Wow. You graduated early?
1: No, it's just the way the Scottish school system is set up. So okay.
0: um,
1: I think our year is, like, March. So if you're, if you're five... By March, then you're in one year. And then if you're not, you're in the next one. Whereas I think everywhere else, it's September. I don't know why that would be. I think maybe it's because it's when you do your exams. Uh, Okay. So did you take a gap year? No, I went straight to Royal Welsh. I got into the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama. And um, yeah, I just, I went straight there as this little, you know, totally naive, just had no idea what I was letting myself in for. Um, But, you know, I think it was, I think it was like the best kind of move I could have made at the time. Because otherwise I just, I got into the the RADA Foundation course, which is like a nine month course. But then they basically explained that like, there's no guarantee that you then get into RADA once you're finished. And I just wanted to start, you know, I was looking at like all these young actresses who were, like, already in movies, and I was, like, I, like, I should have started 10 years ago. Like, I want to, I want to go now. Um, You're you're talking in my brain
0: right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I'm curious, did you have to do too contemporary, too classical to get in?
1: Oh, gosh, this is a while ago now. Uh, I think so. I think it was, no, I think it was one of each. I think it was one... I don't really remember because I remember for my for my contemporary I I made a monologue all the scene that was actually a duologue so I like imagined that this other guy was kind of there and I like filled in some of the lines and took some of his lines and made them my own um and so it was a it was a bit weird and it didn't really make 100 percent sense but um it seemed to work, it seemed to be fine. That's so beautiful. And how long of a program is it there? So that's three years. That's a three-year degree. Um I I actually got my first job when I was still in my second year there. So no way, tell me about that. So um I was so as I said, like I just thought I would do theater. Like I I didn't really think I would be very good on screen. Like I found it quite exposing i think um so because we were in wales where this the drama school is in cardiff the head of acting was very aware of the fact that like with us we don't necessarily get a huge number of industry professionals coming to watch us and so he was trying to build those networks those connections with industry professionals um, as, as soon as he could basically so we had um outside directors, we had outside casting directors, producers come and, and talk to us and give us lectures and workshops and stuff. And so this casting director, her name is Emma Style, she came to teach us how to do auditions for camera. And um it was it was like terrifying. Like it it was just so nerve-wracking. And like she didn't give you a scene, you had to like pick your scene. So then that was like part of your analysis at the end, was like do you know your own casting? Did you pick the right scene? Like, you know, all that stuff. Um, and anyway, five five months later, I think it was about five months, she was casting a show called The Runaway. And um, she Which called- is your claim to fame. We got nominated for no, don't, don't um, gloss yeah, over so she- Sorry, I think we're having like a little
0: <laughs> delay here. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I think um, it's funny because I got I got the phone call about the Emmy nomination at the time, and like on my life, I didn't know what the Emmys were. Like wow. like I got <laughs> I got call, um, and uh, the producer emailed me, and I thought she'd emailed me by mistake. I thought I was like, oh, this is really embarrassing. She's emailed the wrong person, and I called my agent, and I was like, what do I say? Do I just ignore this? And he was like. No, you re- no. It's really for you. Like <laughs> you really have. Um, and I actually had to like look it up. And be like, what are these? I I was I was quite like I was quite a naive.
0: I love it though. That innocence. It's so pure.
1: <laughs> I just I wasn't in it for that. You know, I just loved acting. I just wanted to be an actor. Um, I didn't. I think at the time, like I didn't understand quite the. The industry, like side yeah. of it, like I didn't understand that, that's that stuff.
0: So um, how how far along into this do you get pulled away to do the runaway?
1: So this was this was April of second year, so one year and one term.
0: Wow! And how were the the professors? Because at NYU it was very like you're here to learn. You can't work. You can't go on auditions. Blah blah blah. Like how. How was the energy there when you know?
1: Yeah, it's interesting you should say that because I've heard that and and I I understand. I think they've said to me in the past, like that their thought process was like, if this person who has such a standing in the industry thinks you should go and audition, then then you might as well audition. And they have, um, the voice department helped me with the accent because obviously it's a nineteen seventies Cockney London, yeah. and uh, the head of acting rehearsed the scenes with me before I left. Which, like that kind of one-on-one attention at drama school, is also like so rare. So I was just, yeah, like, oh, yeah, oh man, you know my name. <laughs> like it was that that was enough, and then I, I got the job, and they were they were amazing. You know, they they said they you know all the the producers and the director and everyone at company pictures, everyone at sky, you know, they've said that you're good enough. So, you know, go and do it. They, they set me up with, um, a bunch of agents. They they called them and they explained what happened and they arranged all these meetings and they were amazing. They didn't stand in, in my way in at all. At all.
0: Wait, so that was the end of drama school for you then?
1: No. So I I then had to do a, a, a can I come back audition um, after I finished filming in South Africa, so I had to I had to write and produce and star in my own ten minute play, and it was like also like off like off time, so I basically had to like rope in people who just happened to be in Wales in the summer, and like also I hadn't been there, so I had to like kind of make these friendships again and sort of ask favors of people who I hadn't really seen. And cause I'd been off doing this, this show. And so I, I, I wrote this, this play and then I had to like, invite an audience and persuade people to come and watch it. So that I wasn't just like acting in a warehouse by myself. And um, so then they, they, the, the head of acting came and graded that and let me back into the school. um But because I'd missed a term, they then ended up uh, grading the Runaway, to give me credits to graduate you Because otherwise I would have had to have done another year.
0: Oh, you, oh, you would have had That's a repeat. That's so cool, man. <laughs> and, and, t- and talk to me, you know, you, you said you really didn't have an idea of film or TV. The Runaway happens. Do you feel like that was your film school?
1: Yes, yes. I mean, I was, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about eyelines. I didn't, I could barely hit a mark. Um... I was just so worried about my accent, but I think because because I felt like I didn't belong, I worked my ass off. Like y- you should see my scripts. Like I yeah. I I knew them inside out. I knew them back to front. I just I lived with them. Like I would get home from filming and I would just look at the scripts more because I I was terrified that this would be the last job I ever had. Like when we ran I I honestly couldn't stop sobbing because I was like, this is it, oh this is over now. I'm I'm never gonna work again. And it was it was sort of terrifying and glorious at the same
0: time. Huh. What a beautiful experience! So, I mean, to be able to have that, you know, so many drama students listening right now would kill to just, you know, have that right casting director come in and give the right part. That's so awesome of her. Do you, it, do you still keep
1: in touch with her? Um, I I would love to, but she sadly she passed away uh, um, actually sorry. not long after uh, that happened. So, uh, um, but no, she's she's always in my heart because I feel so eternally grateful. Well, if, if you don't mind me asking, you know, uh, a lot of actors kind of would have been
0: like, all right, well, I'm working, so I don't need to go back to school. I love that you did. What what was the influence and the impetus <laughs> behind that?
1: Um, okay. So the, so the whole answer is that Alan Cumming advised me to go back to school. I, you know, he was like, you should finish your training because the final year of drama school that's when you do plays, you do five plays back to back. And that is invaluable and you probably will never get that again in your career. But the truth is that I was auditioning and I just didn't book anything. (laughs) 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 I love it.
0: Thank you for sharing that. That's so beautiful. And I imagine though you, I mean, the Runaway was a huge hit. Did you have some offers coming your way or you know
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, then it was a sort of um I I book I got what Maisie knew off the back of the runaway. They they didn't ask me to audition, they just um wanted to have a call. Um again, it was like back in the day before like digital, like in- a- analog to digital, yeah. And the only people I'd ever yeah, and like the only people that I had ever spoken to on Skype was like my mom and my dad. So when the directors, for what Maisie knew, when they, when they Skyped me, I was like picking up the camera and being like, this is my room and this is what, um, this is my view and this is what you can see. And they were just like, why are you doing this? So that was, it obviously didn't, didn't, you know, mess it up too badly. But yeah, I was, again, I was like totally, totally green. And the reason we, you know, we spoke about the character and we talked about the fact that like, I I didn't interpret her as being vindictive or malicious in any way i I sort of said you know i I feel like she's caught up in something that's much bigger than her, and that ultimately like she just loves Maisie, she just loves the little girl, and I think that was what they responded to like i, I was to them a little bit about when I got the job and they were saying like a couple of the people who read for it um Wanted to play that slightly more calculated um, version of her, and that they they just responded to to my take on it. So, uh, yeah, so that was off the runaway, and then, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure other stuff comes up, but you but you sort of stop stop asking because you know you you don't necessarily want to be that person on set who's like, why am I here? Uh,
0: how is it working with Alexander Starzgard? That must have been a dream come true.
1: Yeah, he is. Um, He's very, very sweet. I mean, at the time, so again, I was, I was, I think I was 19, just turning 20. So I couldn't drink in, in America. All my stories seem to come back to drinking booze. I promise I'm not like addicted to alcohol. Um, but like, it was like, I was aware that I couldn't go to a bar with him. I couldn't be like, Hey, do you want to grab a drink after we finish filming? Um even mm-hmm. though in Scotland we like we definitely could yeah, have so that was it. a little bit strange, so I think he sort of thought of me as like a child um, which which I suppose like legally in america you aren 't really an adult till you 're twenty one so he was very respectful <laughs> because I think to him i was I was a small child um, but he, you know he was he was also very sweet, like he knew that i didn't really know anyone, he would invite me out to dinner and stuff and just getting an insight into his world. Like he's, he's even more famous now than he was then. So like, yeah. I can't even imagine. Like he, he can't walk down the street. He couldn't go to dinner without someone coming over and wow. for an autograph. We, we had, um, when people found out where we were filming, there were I probably like 50 screaming people outside his trailer. So he's like trying to prepare, trying to get into character or whatever he's doing. And they're just like,
0: Alex,
1: Alex, I love you. And like, I'm like sharing a splitter with him. So I'm like.
0: Oh, you hear the other half of
1: it. <laughs> I, can, I can hear it. I'm like, God, this is, this is insane. Um, but he handled it with such grace. My one funny story, I've got I've forgotten that this happened. So he, people would would ask him to sign autographs all the time. And he, he would sign them and he would smile for a picture and he would sign them. And one woman presented him with a picture of his, of his head of like this torso in bed and his arm is up here and his face is like, and he, he was like, that's not my body. Someone photoshopped him? Was, what? What do you mean? He's like, that's, that's not a real picture of me. And so he'd always, she'd obviously found it online or something. And, but he was really like very sweet, but he was like, I can't sign that. Because that's not my body. Like, how weird! Oh, like, oh god, oh, is so creepy. Yeah, but no, he percent. was. Great.
0: That's incredible, though. And how did you stay? You know, you you keep saying you were young, but you're you're very mature. And I don't think you were young at all in, in your mind. um How did you not get overwhelmed with all these opportunities? You know what I mean? And because it seems like you took it. To work very seriously you didn't get too um complacent too easily which you know a lot of actors tend to fall in traps of because when when one thing opens and then another thing opens you just start to think okay this is just gonna keep happening
1: um i don't know i've just i've just always been afraid that it's gonna go away like even now i'm like oh i'm probably never gonna work again <laughs> like, like I just, I finished crime, and then I did the the control room, and now I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably it forever. Yeah, you no, know? I, I I don't think I ever have lost that.
0: Oh, well, it's you know, I mean, you're gonna work so much, and <laughs> I'm I'm so grateful you came on. You we we still got plenty of time. I just you know, you're such a sweet sweet energy about you and it, it means so much and so then talk to me then once you know you started getting those credits then was it your agent or was it you that were like i'd like to do some theater you know
1: that that was i mean i'm really lucky that my my agent um fully respects theater and he he goes and sees it all the time and there's that um how creatively fulfilling it is and so when we had those conversations of can I go do a play it was it was like yeah of course let's see what's right for you and the first play I did was um was I think it was produced by the Michael Grandage company at the Donmar and um it was it was this tiny play at the downstairs um I think yeah I think it was the Traf- Trafalgar Two, I think is what it's called. And um, it was like this tiny three-hander. And it was just joyous. It was so much work and so emotionally draining because it was set um, during the siege of Leningrad. So our characters were, you know, starving. It was like 19- 1944, I think it was set. And none of us had and it was all very kind of like harrowing all the the things that had happened and the 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 aim was to kind of bring it back to humanity and make it relevant today and I feel like you just learn you just learn so much in rehearsals like to get to spend that time on something is such a gift because you just don't get that in in film or, or television and I think what's been really interesting recently is realizing how when you're doing when you're doing something on television um, or on film, and you make a choice right at the beginning, and then you have to carry on doing that, yeah. um, how often our instincts, like our initial instincts, are actually correct, and that we should really trust them, and that we, the more that you overthink it, the the less natural it's going to be, and the the more you're just going to feel like like out of your body, and and you'll start to question things as you repeat them, but I feel like the more you can kind of just let go and almost just let it like come out of you instinctively, the the more you're, you're going to be able to like believe it for like take after take, after take, after take. Yeah. That's kind of something that I was like just realizing this year, which I thought was interesting.
0: Was it unique for you that you're, your plan kind of inverted itself. You thought you were going to be on this theater track and then all of a sudden you get swooped in this film and TV circuit. And then you finally come back and do a play. Did that feel at all bizarre to you that it kind of went one, the opposite of how you thought it would go?
1: Yeah, it was, it was really strange. Um, But then at the same time, like, as I say, like now I'm kind of more savvy in terms of like the, the business, like the, the acting industry and, realizing that you unfortunately the way it's going kind of have to have a bit of a profile on screen to get those wonderful roles on stage because the producers and the theater owners are like well we need to know that you can attract an audience
0: yeah still six weeks out of a 2000 gap unit yeah yeah
1: so you kind of like I'm realizing they kind of go hand in hand and theater will always be there. And it's a shame at the moment because I feel like people are still wary of going back. And I get, and I get it. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting anyone do anything that they don't want to do at all, but it's, I'm aware that like shows are, are finishing early and people are playing like half empty auditoriums. And I'm I'm kind of glad I'm not in theater right now. I'd love to do something maybe like next year when, we know what we're doing a little
0: bit more. It's very much similar here in New York. I didn't know it was like that in London.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you seen anything? Have you been? Yeah. You I mean, uh, uh, let's see. I was at Lion King, which is always packed. I was at Wicked, which was was pretty packed. And then um, what else was I at? Um, like there was one other. Yeah. It's been hit or miss. You know, I, I don't think the, I hate to say it, but I think come January 1st was when, uh, like this federal loan forgiveness to bring back American theater expires. And I don't think any of the straight plays are going to make it. Oh gosh. I know. And, and speaking of Donmar warehouse at St. Ann's warehouse, there's a great production right now that I'm dying to see, but you know how they do it. They do very small runs. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned, you know, because I don't sing or dance, you know, and I really hope, you know, I I don't know. It's so tough now because everyone's so, I think COVID kind of took what was coming in maybe five years and it made it happen in two. People getting comfortable with, with stuff at home and living at home or, or you know, mm-hmm. in some ways forced to because that was just the reality and not as interested in, you know, because, Obviously, local New Yorkers or, or, you know, people that live in London will go see theatre, but theatre is very much dependent upon tourism. And a lot of the world has kind of got a question mark about, is this the right thing for me?
1: Yeah, I think that's very astute. Oh, I didn't, yeah, I suppose I sort of didn't necessarily think like, oh, maybe this was, was coming anyway. That's an interesting observation, I could be so wrong. That's just kind
0: of something that I always kind of thought about, you know, especially like even movie theaters, you know what I mean? Because like yeah. now, like we're seeing all these like, you know, Academy Award winning directors and movies that are going to play in theater for a week and then they come to your TV and that's ruining movies, you know?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting as well. Like, I feel like um, as soon as Netflix started making stuff, it was like, just at the time when independent films were like really struggling so like I just don't know where that market is anymore um and it's funny because I'd always sort of like longed to to you know like be in these sort of quirky weird like offbeat indie films and now I'm like like where are they like come on, I know. like you know the ones that are sort of like 40 million. Like, yeah, it, they, don't,
0: they don't, they don't make them anymore. Cause it's it. Batman 17 will make a billion dollars, <laughs> but that, that one will not, you know? And but it's
1: a shame because it's like audiences go to what's on and it's like if you, if you more choice. Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know that many people who are like, I love superhero movies. They're just like, I want to go to the cinema. And that's what's on.
0: Yeah. I I really appreciate that point. Sadly, I do know a lot of people that watch those movies and I'm so bummed with that. I'm like, is this really what you want the future to be? But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I want to talk about you. So tell me, when you did that run, then you did another two, you did Othello and Richard III, Mm -hmm. right after or not right after?
1: Um. Not right after. There were a few years in between those. Um Did,
0: were you getting American auditions at this point?
1: Yeah, so I had I had American representation pretty early on. Um but I never had a visa and it was always slightly like uh, and things and I was I was just sort of a a, a bit um I don't know, I I I I think I sort of didn't really realise what was happening, like, doing these meetings and getting to meet these casting people and yeah. going to the studios and stuff. And also, like, I didn't really... So, like, basically, you're doing these meetings because these people want to figure out who you are and they want to then, you, you know, if they've got a, a hole in their movie, they're like, oh, you're the fit, you go in there, that's yeah. great. And I didn't really know who I was. so Nobody I does. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't... I'm 31. Consistent.
0: I still don't... I'm still figuring it out.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, I suppose... Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like... I didn't necessarily, like, fit in a box for, for anyone. Um, so it was tricky to sort of be like, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's what I sort of thought about myself, is that I don't think I was particularly... Um, maybe I wasn't like engaging enough or maybe I didn't like.
0: No, um, you're in your head. You're so charming, dude. You're, you're, you're a superstar. Don't even <laughs> throw those thoughts to, out of your head.
1: To be fair, like you've, you've met me like 10 years later. So like, yeah, I, I, I was going in there and being like, I don't know. And they'd be like, what kind of roles do you want to play? And I'd be like, I don't know. Whereas now you ask me what kind of roles I play and I have a, a list as long as my arm and I'm, and yeah, I'm writing yeah. them and I'm producing them. And it's, like I am, I feel like I'm a slightly, you know, more settled person, and I. It's not that I wish I could go back, but I wish I could like, kind of be seen again by by those people because I feel like I want another go, want another like.
0: Have you meeting. not bumped into any of them in meetings or auditions since?
1: Not, not really. I mean, I end up sort of um, like working in the UK a lot more and like doing fantastic stuff over here. So I was really just, I was quite happy kind of uh, working on those things. And then I think it was like 2017 that I was like, ah, okay. I'm not, I'm not quite getting the roles in the UK that I feel like I deserve having worked here for so long. So that was when I made the move to LA for three months how was that
0: experience? And, you know, because it's tough, whether you're an actor or not. You know,
1: it was it was kind of wonderful, but but it was um, so I had it was interesting because I just done um, I think I had just done Richard the Third. Okay, so um, I my bank balance was low, so I rented out my place in London, and I. Didn't, I didn't really have any spare cash to like do stuff in LA so I was reading plays and I was I was sort of walking around and I was just being you know I was trying to kind of be as creative as possible on a budget yeah um and that's when I got my manager and um it, it felt like this kind of beautifully creative you know you know that kind of creativity that comes out of um Opening yourself up to every possibility. Like I wasn't like hunting for anything. I didn't have that that like desperation. I was just like, I'm just here to be and see what it's like. And that was when I met my 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 partner, and we're still together. And it just felt like it was a really kind of fruitful time um, in my in my life. Um, And then I, I. up more stuff over here. It wasn't until it wasn't until Warrior that I actually was like working on American production. Was that was that what made would, me
0: would you say that's your first big American production? I mean 20 episodes yeah. is a lot, you know?
1: Yeah, that was that was the the big you know, the first big American show. And when when I arrived at the, the studio, it was like this is this is the real deal, you know. We have like four or five sound stages that all in have our In Cape so. Town, right? In Cape Town, yeah. yeah.
0: Cape Town. I know it. I did a movie there, so I love Cape Town. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Did you go to Kloof Street
1: House? Yes, yes, we did. Oh. I actually, um, I stayed in Tabors that neighborhood, so I was like, oh wow. From there. Okay, I stayed yeah. at the Pepper
0: Club Hotel.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: But man, I love that area. I love Cape Town so much. So all right, you shot that show and was that an audition or was that an offer?
1: So that was an audition and I was in uh New York at the time. That's so where I am. There you go. It's the yeah. magic happens. Um and it was just a coincidence because they were doing casting in London as well. And I just happened to be in New York, so they got me into the the New York office. And then again, so I did actually ask the the um, producers because I was like, look, you must have seen like like a million people like me. Like, what was it that kind of picked, you know, wh- why did you pick me? Yeah. And um, and he was sort of saying that the other tapes that he had seen had been slightly, um, they they were very aware of the fact that it was like a period drama. And he was right. like, I like the fact that you just played it very modern like you didn't necessarily put on any like airs and graces just because it was set in the 1880s um and I'd done a lot of period shows by that point so I think it kind of came from just like feeling quite comfortable with that um but yeah I think I wonder if like all the people in London were like maybe that was a note that they were given but I don't know. Maybe it was totally serendipitous that I just, just happened to be with a different casting director. Well,
0: you're you're incredible in that show. There's no other uh-huh. actress in the world I could imagine playing that part. You know? I mean, you're just so badass and and you know, I mean, it's just like every, you know, everyone's talking about developing strong female characters that like, like that. That is that, you know, that's like it's not, it's not artificial. That character's very lived in, and you did such a great job bringing truth to her. I'm curious, did you have an idea of, I mean, I, I imagine you didn't know the full two season arc, but an idea of where she was going?
1: Thank you. That is so sweet and kind. Um, it's, it's funny because I feel like, um, you know, Jonathan Tropper, the show creator, sort of—I think he always wanted her to to be that badass, and um, he he knew the parameters that he was working with because of the you know, the the, the that it was set in. So he definitely knew. Basically, he was like, "What's the worst thing I can do to this character?" And that's what happens at the end of season two. So I think he knew that that's where she was going to end up but like, I didn't know. And I was like, I was like, guys, what have I done to you? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I thought I've been really nice. Um, so no, I mean, I, I, I knew that, that she, um, and Assam had that, uh, they met each other as partners and that was always really interesting to me. They met each other as equals and that the fact that she sees him as an equal, um, is makes her modern for her time. And the fact that, he sees her as his equal makes him modern for his time.
0: I never thought of that reverse angle. That's so true.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's been, um, it was just like working with, with Koji on those scenes, like we would get together and rehearse and um, kind of watch and direct and we would work together. It was, it was a kind of really collaborative um, we all wanted it to be brilliant. So we put in those extra hours, like off camera, we would get together at weekends and, oh, and like shows and, and, and working on like the beautiful Cape Town
0: studios and building a back lot. I mean, did, that must have just done so much work for you because you're, you're living in this, this world's created for you. You know, the production design is just incredible
1: yeah it's absolutely stunning, especially like the the Chinatown streets, like the fact that they had all these cobbled streets and all the market stalls, and it just it was so vibrant and so full of life. I actually um walking there's like a rescue dog dog rescue thing that I was thinking I was walking one of the dogs and it was like sniffing around like looking for bits of food, and I was like, dude, it's all fake <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna get anything,
0: poor dog, oh man, that's so funny and i'm I'm curious, you know. Because Cinemax ultimately did end its content, and when season two, you know, happens and and the crazy ending that does happen, you know, in the in the pandemic, all of a sudden HBO Max develops and it it becomes available on a network for the world. And that, did that change your life at all? All of a sudden, all these new eyeballs getting to see it.
1: I mean, I I I hope so. I think it's funny because you know you you. You sort of think like oh maybe there's just going to be this one life-changing moment and actually like again this is something i'm realizing is that it's, it's it's this kind of build it's this slow like everything adds up you don't know what someone's seen you don't know what they're interested in um the fact that like warrior can be seen by more people is actually just it just fills me with joy because i know how much heart and soul all cast and the crew put into it and i just think it's such a brilliant production i just like even if it doesn't book me any more jobs i just feel like it's a show that needs to be seen especially with all yeah. the anti-asian hate that had been going on and it, it oh, i just feel like it's really important to show these characters in a way that is like fucking badass and really nuanced and they're not cliches and it's yeah. you know it I just think it's, it's, it needs to be part of the conversation and we need more shows like that. And so the fact that it is getting a season three and more people can watch it, it's, it's like the, the tiniest thing that an actor can do to try and possibly have a comment on on society and, and the culture that we live in. And that's why we tell stories. It's yeah. like we, we, we literally have a society because y- you're supposed to learn how to live how, which berries to eat, which, which not to eat, how to treat other human beings. We've been telling these stories since we could vocalize. And I think there's just something really important about it. I feel like that's like when we were talking off air earlier about like not following the money, what I've realized is like I want to follow the stories. Like I really, yeah. all of the projects that I do, they have they're kind of important to me. Like I feel like they they have, they make a, a comment on society that I, I feel like needs to be discussed. Yeah.
0: And um, that actually leads me into my next question, which is so amazing. Uh, thank you for that. Is like, what do you want to do now? I mean, you, you have this incredible show that you knock out of the park. You're beautiful, you know, you're so grounded and intelligent you got, you know, there's so many things I know you could do, but like, what do you want to do?
1: Thank you. I'm blushing. I'm kind of glad this is just a podcast because I have gone pink, um, <laughs> but I. <really laughs> right.
0: So do you want to start your own production company?
1: It's, it's a little uh, far off right now to, to start my own company. I think, um, there are so many people out there who have so much experience and, and knowledge in the, the way of getting things produced that I just, I want to learn and I want to make the right connections. And basically um, I have, I have a lot of ideas of what kind of stuff I want to make. So what I'm working on at the moment is getting those ideas to the right writer's, having having them get excited about it and then collaborating on putting a package together, and then we take that to a pre existing production company and they, with all of their contacts and their wealth of experience, can make the show and then sell it to you know the big bad boys and that way, I kind of get to have my fingers in lots of different pies at the same time yeah. rather than like having a, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll have my own production company eventually. I think they never say never, but right hey, now. Call,
0: call me when you do. <laughs> <laughs> but I that's, will. So, that's so amazing. And, and I'm curious, you know, with that, do you think, you know, I mean, obviously whatever comes, comes, but would you be open to moving back to the States? You know, if things really start to take off here or do you want to focus your time in the UK? Like- what what, you know and also like what do you you have two shows coming out in the UK right that will get a dual release here eventually
1: I I have a very special place in my heart for New York and I'm not just saying that but if I could live in New York at some point in the future I think I would be really really happy so I I definitely am kind of like manifesting that in some way but I think like, you know, you go where, you go where the work is. Like for, we've both been to Cape Town, for example, but, um, I think, I think if, if America wants me, then, then I wouldn't say no. Um, I feel really settled and happy in London. Like just, just moved. And all my friends live within like a mile of me. And I have my, my community and my network here, but, At the same time, like, if, you know, if I got to make something incredible stateside, like, absolutely, absolutely, I would move. Um, But yeah, I do. I have two shows coming out, which is really exciting. So the first one is called Crime. It is a detective drama written by Irvin Welsh, who is like a Scottish icon, obviously, of train spotting and filth and so many other um, incredible novels that maybe haven't been adapted yet and this is um an adaptation of his novel but it's like it's like a prequel so the event the events of the novel like happen after the events in the tv series so it's new content from urban welsh which is really it's never been seen before and it's punchy and hilarious and gross and it has this kind of wonderful comment on society that only urban can can pull off it's you know it's got that acerbic kind of derogatory nobody's in the right everybody's flawed but then to get to play that as a character is like you know joyous because nobody's perfect and that was opposite Dougray Scott who is phenomenal like honestly he's so raw and He's given he's just given so much to this this character and and he's one of the executive producers and had basically taken like 10 years to get this thing made. And I know that it um, that that passion is like invested in every single line that he has. And I was just sort of watching going like you are you are amazing. Like he's really he's really, really talented. So and was this shot
0: during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was earlier this year, so it sort of depends on whether you feel like the pandemic is over or not. Um Yeah,
0: I guess that's it's <laughs> open to interpretation. <laughs>
1: um so yeah, that was that was filmed I think it was April, May, June of uh, of twenty twenty one. Okay. And um yeah, it was full COVID protocols. So everyone was wearing masks and we were being tested three times a week and yeah. um social distancing and you weren't everything was in lockdown in Glasgow. So like you couldn't go out for dinner or Oh, you shot it in Glasgow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I was there for like, in fact, then the control room, which is coming out later, which is going to be on BBC um, was also filmed in Glasgow. Oh, so, so you got to, were they back to back? Pretty much. There was like a six week gap where I got to like pick a house that I was then going to move into. And then I came back up to Glasgow. Wow.
0: Joanna, Joanna, you're incredible. And I'm so grateful for your time. Two two final questions here for you. You know, uh, you mentioned, you know, when you were in drama school, just kind of not knowing what you were doing and, and thinking this theater thing was gonna happen, and then the cinema thing happens, and you know, people don't know when or if it's gonna happen, and 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 most of us never know. And it's one of those things where all we can do is do good work and and show up. And I'm curious for you, for the young actors that are entering drama school at such a weird time in the world, any advice you would have for them?
1: Yeah, I think I think the, the number one piece of advice that I would have for you is believe in yourself and your own talent, because. I if I think back to the jobs that I've booked, it's it the ones that I, I knew I could get. It's the ones that I felt like, yeah, this is this is really good. This is gonna go my way. Obviously some of those you don't get, but yeah. I've never booked a job that I thought I wasn't gonna get. So oh. even, you know, when I was auditioning for drama school, one of the um One of the lectures we got beforehand was like, you know, two percent of the people who are auditioning for drama schools this year will get into a drama school. And then two percent of that two percent will make the final oh wow. (sighs) And my my thought was like, that'll be me. I will be in that two percent. And you know, I think I you no one else is gonna believe in you as much as you do
0: yeah
1: and you you and i don't know where it comes from but practice like practice in front of the mirror learn monologues record yourself watch them back don't have an ego about oh my face on camera i don't like my voice i don't care like yeah. you should just get over it and do the work like work really 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 hard create opportunities for yourself by by making stuff and remember that the people that you are with right now, that's your network. So does someone, does someone write really well? Is someone like a really good photographer? Could they possibly be a cinematographer? Yeah. Make, make stuff. Because we live in a world where like you can you kind of have to make people sit up and listen and, and it's noisy, like TikTok and yeah. all of the, like, streaming things that like people have now it's it's like i don't necessarily i'm not trying to say like know what your usp is because i didn't and i certainly still don't find the joy in knowing that you're making things that will that will translate in auditions and it will it'll you know it's really attractive like people love the idea of like oh you're doing something i want to do
0: something i love that and, and, and final question, you know, what uh, what's keeping you inspired right now?
1: Oh, so much stuff. I just still love telly, and I love theater. I went and saw Macbeth last week, and I was just blown away by the performance. Denzel
0: Washington won or on stage?
1: On stage. I wow. saw Saoirse Ronan and James McArdle wow. uh, at Almeida. And it, it really... It, it was just magic. It was just, you know, back on stage and live theatre. And, you know, and I think also what's keeping me inspired right now is the knowledge that women's stories are genuinely, I think, for the first time being considered as important and not just important, but like equal. And there's always been this fear that like, you know you see it happen where like women age and then they stop working and it's like where did you go and all the all the roles are like mums or that there's someone else is like the the stories aren't about them anymore and and it's fucked up it's terrifying yeah
0: it's so fucked
1: so i think what's inspiring is is having an insight into you know who's writing stuff at the moment and what's being produced and, and seeing genuinely that like that isn't that hopefully won't be the case and that I can just carry on working because as we've discussed, I always fear that I won't.
0: You're going to, and I'm so <laughs> proud of you. And uh, I know, I know we just met, but I'm just so fucking proud of you. And thank you for taking the time to get back in this chat. I'm sorry about my ring light. It's a fucking, it's going to be returned after this, but thank you so so much. It was, uh, it was such a great honor and I really, you're an artist through and through and, and please come back on next
1: uh, or when the projects come out. Let's break them down. I would love that. Thank you so much. I, I love how um, instinctive you are and how tr- intuitive you are with your interviews. It really feels like you um, actually have understood something unique about everyone that comes on and um, thank you.
0: Crime. That's the goal. I'll I'll pay you for saying that after. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, if you if you uh, if you end up in New York, let's grab coffee and uh, let's
1: do this. When the when are they coming out for the viewers listening? Crime is available on BritBox now, okay. and the Control Room is available on B in the spring.
0: Amazing, and Warrior is available on HBO Max. So much love. Let's do this again. Okay. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.